Hey everyone, this is the Gavin, formerly known as Chad. I kind of uh, messed up and recorded all of my lines on uh, my laptop mic instead of the fancy new mic I purchased, so audio's not going to sound so great this week. We're going to do a special edition of the episode later with re-recorded lines, but in the meantime, uh, let's go back to 2003, right? Yeah. Frosted tip hair. Cool. Welcome to my humble abode, everybody. We, we, we're recording live from my living room. That's crazy that you say that, because we're actually recording live from my closet. <laughs> well, that's new. That's, that happens every time. <laughs> so, Will, what's your shining moment of the past two weeks? I would say that my shining moment is less of one specific moment and more a collection of a few things. Yes. A bunch of audio dramas have recently celebrated their first finale. Um, so, for instance, Love and Luck had their first season finale. It was gorgeous and stunning and exactly what the show sets out to do. As per usual. As per usual. Um, similarly, Tides had its first finale, and it was so fucking good and in true Tides form. Um just really beautiful work from that team. And Tides is much newer than Love and Luck. Love and Luck had a first season that was like, I don't know, approximately 16,000 episodes long, which I love. Um, but also like, it sounds so exhausting. Um, so hearing hearing both of these shows evolve and mature and really come into their own has been beautiful. And coming up, we have the finales of Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services. Um, we have the finale coming up for What's the Frequency, their first season finale. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm really excited for these upcoming few weeks and these last few weeks and hearing how all of these shows have grown. Yeah, this, Gavin, uh, this community is pretty great. <laughs> right? I, It's really great. I'm so glad that we are a part of it. Gavin, what is your shining moment? I put up a call for potential new hosts for the Red Light Library, the erotica review podcast I've been running for over a year now. It's basically my first podcast. Uh, that show has been has gone through some cuts because of uh, like just I've run out of time that I could work <laughs> on it. So it's gone to being like twice a month and a lot of stuff. And I just want to. Uh, I want to work on it more, even if I can't be in it. So I started, you know, trying to find hosts and thanks to you uh, having this wonderful platform of your <laughs> help wanted section. I now have a discord server with uh, five other people in it that aren't me. <laughs> that nice. We're all talking and getting ready to like try out pilot episodes and stuff like that. And it's really cool and exciting to actually like be doing real podcasting registered trademark <laughs> yeah that is really really exciting i i feel like with the first podcast sometimes it can be so much more daunting than you're expecting and being able to bring more people on and like feeling so excited and secure by these other people that must be such a good feeling and i'm really happy for you yeah especially from like the perspective of someone who runs an, an air quotes adult show like a, right. there are the, the the um what is it the explicit tag on itunes is a fucking joke but mm -hmm. like no one likes talking about sex so unless it's a you know fucking the butt by my own podcast chuck tingle thing right right no one it, like if there's not a wacky ironic side to it if it's just people being like ah see this porn has a cuttlefish shapeshifter in it and while that's an interesting hook we gotta talk about how bland this sex scene is i mean jesus it's just doggy and then but like <laughs> right right yeah, yeah there's, there's not as much ironic shield to that so it is fun uh to see people in a server being like yeah this this one episode gavin this guy talked about this thing and i agree that's horseshit that's the first time that's ever happened <laughs> Nice. Not to say I, like, crave fans, air quotes, but just, like, it's cool to see people engaging with something we make. Speaking yeah. of engaging with uh, creators. <sighs> who boy. Who boy. Who boy. So let's back up just a little bit yes. in case this is the first episode people have listened to for Tuned In Dialed Up. Oh, yes, yes, um, yes. Oh, also, hi, this is Tuned In Dialed Up. We talk about podcasts. Um, recently... I guess not actually that recently. I feel like we've been doing this for a little while now. We have sort of stumbled upon a conversation that we thought was going to be one episode. 
turned out to to need a much bigger conversation. We have been talking about how podcasters interact with social media in a few different ways. Our first episode on this topic, we had Elena Fernandez-Collins on. She is another podcast journalist like we are, and we talked about how podcasters interact with the press on social media and also just in general. Um, We then talked to, we had some horror stories from some listeners, and then we talked to Julia Shafini, Amanda McLaughlin, and Eric Silver of Multitude, and Whisper Forge in the case of Julia Shafini as well, about best practices for podcasters on social media. And today we're going to, I think, tackle the most contentious one. We're going to talk about best practices for fans. We have to we have to tackle uh, one big term that's going to pop up a lot. So I'm just going to give you the the lazy Google uh, definition here. Uh, yeah, please. Today, Will and I are going to be talking about the concept of parasocial relationships, and yes. a, a parasocial interaction is just basically. Uh, Parasocial interaction offers an explanation of the ways in which audience members develop their one-sided relationships with the media being consumed. This is comic books, movies, anything, really. But yeah. uh, with the, the, the trick of, of podcasting is it's such a small field, it is incredibly easy to get in touch with the creators who make the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's part of... A lot of audio dramas, especially, have Discord servers. Now, we've talked about this before. And in the case of the Discord servers, you're literally interacting with the podcaster right then and there in most cases. So you have direct access to them. And then, you know, you can just DM them on Twitter. And that's them. They're right there. And I would say that another reason this is especially tricky in podcasting is... The line between fan and colleague is so blurry. Very. Because if you make a podcast at all, and you're also a fan of a podcast creator, you have to kind of toe the line between when you're reaching out to them as a fellow professional and when you're reaching out to them as a fan and how those things intersect. Not to make everything about my brother, my brother, and me, but there is that bit in the live-action, like, television show they did where Justin tries to, like, play on Travis's fear of spiders by touching the back of his neck. Yeah. And Travis, like, straight up hits him, and Travis says, like, it wasn't brother-on-brother weird, but it was professionals working together weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And actually... I think that's a good segue to talk about... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe the most... In podcasting, the most iconic example of this. And you've literally written about this, so please tell us, dear Will. I have. (laughs) So, I've talked about it in brief here before, but I think that now we should maybe go into it a little bit more. I used to be pretty active on Tumblr back before I had a website. And I left Tumblr for uh, quite a few reasons. But one of the primary reasons was actually the fan base for the Adventure Zone, which is really unfortunate because I got into the Adventure Zone largely because of the fan base. Like, I I got my intro to my brother, my brother and me and the show, and then I kind of fell in love with it. But I kept seeing all of this killer fan art, like, Always for Taco, because of course. Oh, of course. Which, by the way, in case you haven't listened, our last episode was a spoilers ahoy for the Adventure Zone. We talked about amnesty, but also accidentally all of the Adventure Zone. Whoops. <laughs> but I kept seeing all of this incredible fan art, and I was like, what is this? This looks dope as fuck. I want to I listen. So I got into it largely because of that, or I guess that was at least a factor. And the Adventure Zone fandom is also... A big factor in why I left. So I want to I wanna take things back a, a few years ago, I guess now. Wow, time is fake. For, for those who don't listen to The Adventure Zone, in brief, it is three brothers and their father playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it has been adapted into a graphic novel. That's largely what we're going to be discussing. When the announcement was made for... The graphic novel, 
there was some art that was released. And in the art, all three of the protagonists were drawn as fairly standard white men. All of the people who play those characters are also white men, which is which is part of the conversation. Fans um, were upset. And part of this... Was Taka white? I, sorry, I don't... Yes. I don't mean to jump in, but the, that does... I cannot remember. Yes. Taka was white. I do remember there was a big conversation, uh, and hopefully I'm not stepping on a future point of yours, but there was a big conversation about how making Taco blue is a cop-out because a lot of elf characters, a lot of almost not human characters, are traditionally given a wacky, weird alien color to kind of code them oh, as, you know, not it's... white. Dude, it's so much worse than that. I'll get there, don't worry. <laughs> fucking spiraled. It was bonkers. Okay. The three protagonists were all drawn as white, and this caused a lot of outcry, and I can understand actually a lot of it. Um, I do think that there's this idea that because you can say, oh, well, this isn't the canon, you know, depiction of the characters. You can you can picture the characters however you want. That does. It's kind of a cop out for representation. I agree with that. But I also think that there's a, lo- a lot of nuance there. And the brothers think so, too. So essentially, there was this huge outcry after which the artist did some new designs, and one of the characters um, was then depicted as black. One of the characters, who is the elf, Taco, was depicted as blue, which is a standard fantasy thing to do. And people were not pleased. First off, there was a lot of outcry that the character who was depicted as black in the show is admittedly kind of a deadbeat dad like yeah no he even calls himself a deadbeat dad multiple times right and then (laughs) there was also this discussion about how taco being depicted as blue was similar to witches being depicted as green in a lot of media which is 100 percent derived from some fairly upsetting anti-semitic depictions yeah like that's that's what that draws from we're starting we're starting to enter into othering with a capital o of characters yeah absolutely absolutely i don't want to weigh in on any of those (laughs) concepts because i am not in like i'm just a dumb white girl like i don't I don't feel like I have a place to weigh on on that. And to touch on our backgrounds and education, that would be at least a whole unit on race politics of fantasy and color. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I want to focus on is not the discussion itself, but how the discussion evolved. So there, there were these kind of waves. And the first wave was, hey, I'm actually kind of uneasy with this depiction. And then the next wave was, you shouldn't be uneasy with this depiction. Here's all the reasons why. The brothers are actually perfect. Fuck you. We are Griffin. (laughs) And then there was this other wave that was, here's why we should never accept anything that they say. Here's why they are awful, awful, awful people. Here is this and this and this, and they're bad, and also you're bad. And it just kept going, and it went both times hey, for, I, for it's both easy, depictions. It's easy to make fun of Tumblr. It really is. It's like punching down. But in my experience as someone who used Tumblr pretty heavily for many years, that's how it goes. Benedict Cumberbatch is great. Jennifer Lawrence is great. Jennifer Lawrence said a thing I don't agree with. Jennifer Lawrence is transphobic. You should hate yourself for watching Hunger Games. Yeah, and that's that's what frustrates me is that, and and I should say I don't think that this is a Tumblr problem no. necessarily. I think that a lot of this is depending on who you follow, and well, but it's also like what appears in the tags. Like sometimes I would be sad and I would just want to go look at some fan art of Taco and then be bombarded with, you are a bad person for liking the Adventure Zone and here is why. And that's just not a 
a nice and kind way to interact with media. And and that isn't saying I'm a big believer in being critical of media, but I'm also a big believer that you can understand that media is problematic in ways and still appreciate it. You can hold both of those concepts at the same time. And I'm also a believer that if you are a critical fan, you are being conscious of what you consume and why. You can still like a thing that is problematic and be a good person because there is not a goddamn thing in the world that is not problematic in some way. There's not a single thing. Part of my brand, TM, is that I I hold Gimlet to a very high level of scrutiny because I have some fucking problems with how they run their company. Yeah. I still listen to Reply All and I don't yeah. I don't at Gimlet. I don't go on their subreddit and talk shit to get the fans mad. I just do my own thing. Yeah, and that's the thing, like I'm not saying that you just need to write everything off and just have a cheery demeanor all the time. I'm saying don't go into that thing's tags. Don't at them. Don't at their fans. Don't message their fans. Don't DM them unless you are giving thoughtful, kind feedback that they can actually act upon. I posted on the pod report um, a link to... The Decoder Ring, which is a wonderful podcast in which they month, every month do a deep dive into an internet mystery or like oh, cultural Oh, real quick, thing. sorry to cut you off. Yes. Real quick before we move on, can I read something from the McElroys? Oh, please do. Oh, is this their post? Yes. Yeah. So at the end of all of this kerfuffle, um, not even at the end, in the middle of all of this kerfuffle, the amidst. McElroys wrote, yeah, amidst, they wrote this post I think is really gorgeous explaining their decisions and explaining basically their situation. I'm going to read off an abridged, I guess, excerpt of it. They write, and I believe this was written by, this was written by one of them. I don't remember. Griffin, but probably. I think so, actually. So he, he writes, and this is again regarding the depictions of race in the graphic novel. There's not an easy solution. There just isn't. We have fans who want us to do better, to have more diversity in the three main characters of this book. But those characters were created and played by white people who didn't consider the ramifications of their every action when viewed through a specific cultural lens while playing. Um, In the post, he then talks about how, yeah, the, the black character is a deadbeat dad, but then what's the alternative? Having the aggressive, fighty one be black? That's not much better. Yeah. Then he says... The solution the whole team landed on for this graphic novel is imperfect. It has disappointed some people, and it is going to continue to disappoint some people. But there is no non-disappointing solution, and that's not their publisher's fault, and it certainly isn't the artist's fault. It is completely because of the rock and a hard place that we are positioned between, and all because of our failures to establish a solid foundation for these characters and their identities when we started this show. And for that, we're so earnestly, deeply sorry. Of course, the fans reacted that, to that by saying, like, oh, what a cop-out. Right. Like, oh, oh, they're so disingenuous. How dare and, there be no, you know, like, black and white solution to this problem? And that's that's what my whole post is about is that there is no such thing as a black and white solution and i will say there's a link to that in the show notes by the way thanks if people think that this was a cop-out and that it wasn't earnest i can't fault them for that i i don't know them personally none of us do but that's kind of the point but a lot of people do feel like they know them personally yes there was a was it a click hole or a hard times article that was like McElroy is unbroadcasted for a minute of his life for the first time or something <laughs> like their entire lives are broadcast in some form and because of that people think that they know them but you do not oh I mean yeah like and that's therein lies the problem or not the problem but the the tricky part yeah. of the parasocial interaction because you you want to be a part of this thing. Like, that's the whole point of fandoms is you want to talk about this thing you enjoy so much. And there, I mean, I've got a blog post that I probably will never post called The Six Minutes That Killed Bim Bam Live. And it's about that one time at a live show where a fan got up. Don't do this. 
and tried to like interact with them and he was he felt comfortable enough to tell griffin to shut up it was so uncomfortable and that's like we should also talk about this like hey if you're a fan and you're a creator i feel like it's gonna be a short thing don't expect that because you see yourself as colleagues with a much more famous podcaster you can just like bank on that like unless you know them really well really personally and even then like don't do that don't make friendships to promote yourself just make friendships that are nice oh yeah i forgot he also plugged his own podcast in his question that's why griffin was like hey maybe don't do that and that's why he told griffin to shut up it was bonkers don't do that that, anyway yeah it's pretty bad that's also why i'm a bim bam live chain that's not why it is why they didn't (laughs) give a public reason why that's not why heavy air quotes they totally changed how they do audience questions within like three months of that so yeah anyway gavin you sent an episode of dakota ring my way that was also about you know toxic fandoms parasocial relationships and it was to the umpteenth degree of this adventure zone thing. If you yeah. want, if you were expecting it's us nuts. to like do a deep dive on the adventure zone thing, consider this episode of Decoder Ring to act as a stand-in for something much bigger. Because this yes. episode of Decoder Ring, if you haven't listened to it, is about John Locke. Yeah, it's bonkers. So I will say that my time on Tumblr coincided with a bit of John Locke and. I distanced myself from it pretty quickly, mostly because I was like, I don't really like this show, so I'm just not going to have it on my dash. No big, I'm just going to unfollow people. But I did see some of it go down, and I know people are very, very passionate about it. And I also, I don't want to, I don't want any of this to come across as condescending to people who feel really intensely about the media that they consume. I think that there is nothing wrong with being really intense about your thoughts and your feelings on a piece of media. My issue is when your passion turns to entitlement because I am not of the belief that creators owe anything to their fans. Not a not a single fucking thing. I will say there's one thing I think creators do owe their fans. Um other than gratitude. I think that creators owe their fans an openness to actual constructive criticism. Yeah. That's the one thing. But I think that the, I think that defining actual constructive criticism is tricky. So, sorry. Gavin, if you could just explain the context for this. We haven't even explained what John Locke is. I just kind of started talking. <laughs> Okay, so in 2000, the BBC starts the wildly successful uh, modernized version of Sherlock Holmes, simply called Sherlock, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Uh, Cumberbatch playing Sherlock and Freeman playing Watson. And there has been, since the first fucking Sherlock Holmes story came out, there has been a, a subtext that readers have tried to pick up that Watson and Sherlock are fucking and okay hold up hold up (laughs) I have contention with some of that phrasing okay I am genuinely of the belief that it was put there purposefully it might have been I'm very much of that belief. It's debatable for sure, but I, I am of the mind, belief I'm that they know. I'm a very the author is dead person about stuff like this. So like, I am the author is dead when I have any respect for the work, but I don't for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or for Stephen Moffat, um, the modern now the modernized version is completely boy. different. Like the character of Sherlock and Watson, whether or not they have been fucking in the Conan Doyle stories, who knows or cares? But in modern Sherlock, people were like the fans started to pick up these little, like, nods and hints that maybe it's canon now. I never got the feeling that it was canon or going to be canon, but I did feel like there were, like, they were purposefully putting that on because they knew that it would appeal to a shipper audience because shippers buy your show and they buy your merch and they support you. Especially, And I uh, feel like it was... Not to spoil any... Well, this is it. Fuck it. This is a spoiler, but there's... One season ends with Sherlock committing suicide by jumping off a building ostensibly ostensibly and like it was like over a year between seasons the fan base created some of the wildest theories possible to explain 
how he could survive that. And the way the show interacted with that was the writers make that the first episode where he's like, I didn't die. It's a bunch of characters in canon coming up with their own theories on how that happened. And then at the end of the episode, it all but has Sherlock turn to the camera, wink and say, but that's not how it happened and you'll never know. And then flip off the camera and ride away on a moped. Like, right. that was a direct response to the fandom saying, hey, no, fuck you. And when yeah. you do stuff like that, you run the risk of making the fan base go, well, if that happened, if they're listening to me there, they're listening to me elsewhere. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what worries me. I feel like, so the, the rest of the episode goes on to explain, like, the absolute intensity with which the fandom believes that this was supposed to be canon, something that was supposed to happen in the actual text of the show. Literal where they have these like theories. Literal conspiracy theories that the ending was not the actual ending because it was bad. Um, it's bonkers. What bothers me... I mean, one thing that bothers me is genuinely, I think that Stephen Moffat's a bad person um, who interacts with his fans really poorly, but the fans felt this entitlement for their ship to be canon for something that they wanted to be canon. Um, and I worry about this a lot with podcasters. I don't want to name any names here, but I've, I've seen conversation a few times in a few places where people are worried because they see fan art or uh, uh, fanfic or other fan creations that are shipping two characters and that ship will start to build steam. Yeah. And the creators know that that's not a canon relationship and be genuinely terrified to continue uh, their their creation. I want to talk about real quick. Yes. And you, you, Gavin, you must listen to me. You <laughs> must cut me off because I will talk about this forever. I mean, go if for you it, do not. I was okay. going to use the black tapes as a perfect example of that. <sighs> yeah. No, I want to talk about. I know that it's probably ironic that we're not talking about much about podcasts specifically in this episode, but I think that if we if we did, it would be gossip colony at exa best. Exactly, and I want to avoid that. I I, I think that it's going to hit too close to home. So I'm sorry if any of these references are alienating listener. Um, I just I think that it's going to be more kind in this specific episode to talk about the very very big fandoms like we have, and specifically veer away from podcasts and then bring it back to how we've seen people interact with podcasters. So I want to talk a little bit about the Dragon Age fandom. Oh, so good luck. Dragon. Yeah. Dragon Age is another one of those fandoms that uh, basically scared me off of Tumblr. The reason that it did is so for those who aren't aware, Dragon Age is a franchise of role-playing game video games. So basically you're playing a character. The character has a story. It's not just like a a hack and slash like there's an actual story where you make choices and in the dragon age phantom oh yeah for, for more context because this is the only way i'm gonna be able to contribute because i've never played a fucking dragon age game <laughs> for those who have played mass effect dragon age is just yeah mass effect style dialogue well, they're, and they're made character by the same development company. yeah they're, they're both yeah, by bioware, they're both BioWare. So I just wanted yeah. to, there, there's a there's a foothold if you've Skyrim. never played dragon age yeah skyrim and fallout are analogous as well, though made by a different company. So, basically, Dragon Age, and, and I assume Mass Effect, I've actually never finished a Mass Effect game. <laughs> I tried playing the first one, and it's just so clunky no, now. It's so, so old. It's so, it's so bad. <laughs> so, Dragon Age um, is, and, and Mass Effect, from what I've seen, they're both kind of known be for having these, like, big romance quests where you can pick a character and you can romance them and you know there's like a whole story that that follows um the second dragon age game features a whole ton of characters you can romance it also has a main character who you play as you can customize the character however you're not playing like a self-insert really you're playing a specific character if that makes sense um it's less like Skyrim and more like what are games that people like more like uh, like Overwatch where you're playing like a specific character if that makes sense 
I don't play a lot of video games. Okay. <laughs> I just want to compare it to all the super giant games. It's not a, not, it's not a not blank helpful. audience, uh, 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 blank slate for the audience or audience, right. the player to put themselves in. Right. It's not a master um, chief. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So in the second game, all of the characters who you can romance are canonically bisexual, meaning they are attracted to people of their gender and other genders. I saw a lot in the Dragon Age fandom. There, There's like one specific ship that people are really obsessed about, and it is the male version of the main character with one of the male companions who you can romance. More than once, I saw people say that if you choose the female main character and romance the male side character, you are participating in queer erasure. Oh, fuck's sake. I would like to just put, put you know, put, put it put it out there. Um, I am a bisexual woman married to a man. I'm actually not straight. Um, being married to a man doesn't make me straight. It's still... It's it's not queer erasure for me to be married to someone I love who happens to be a man. So seeing that kind of pissed me off. And what I'm seeing a lot, what I'm seeing a lot and have seen a lot in podcast fandoms is this same sort of conversation. I saw this a lot actually in the Wolf 359 fan base where people were saying like, oh, if this relationship happens, and I think that this is important to, to emphasize, they were saying, if this relationship happens... No relationships happened in Wolf 359. This was just hypothetical, and they were still pissed off. They said, if this relationship happens, it's queer erasure. But, like, again, <sighs> you you can be queer in, in a relationship that appears like a, like a relationship between two straight people, but that doesn't mean that it is. And I just, I really worry, I really worry about creators fearing that they're not writing the right kind of queer characters, especially... They're not fulfilling the fa- what the fan base is going to want from them. Right, and especially if those people, like, are writing as a way of giving representation to themselves. You know, like, that, that should be why you write those queer characters, or because you are passionate about it. It shouldn't be because that is what the fan wants, and that is what the fan thinks is the correct kind of representation. And I just, I, wor- I worry a lot. One thing I want to um, uh, kind of promote here is if you haven't ever watched Matt versus Audio Drama, Matt Durkin's uh, YouTube channel in which he vlogs and talks about audio drama, it has been on hiatus for quite some time. But one of the big things that Matt did was reviews of episodes of the Black Tapes as they were coming towards the yes. end of the third season. And then the third season comes out, he does a live stream, listens to it, talks about it, and talks about a lot of the implications of the season. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's kind of a well-known thing in the podcasting community that the the end of the Black Tapes, and it's supposedly the final end, it's not, but it's supposedly the final ending when it came out, a lot of people were unsatisfied by it. A lot of negative reviews, and I quite frankly agree with a lot of them because the show... The show did not properly communicate that out of canon, like, hey, this is because of out of canon reasons we have to wrap up the show like this for now because maybe we're losing a voice actor. But uh, all of that aside, how Matt handled it was so beautiful because there's another video after the live stream where he talks about, here's all of the stuff I'm feeling about this. Here's what I'm seeing other people doing. And here's what here's what might be happening. And he's like, maybe there is a season four. Maybe this was just a this isn't a weird dismount for the show. This is just a pause for a fourth season that's not out yet, uh, or that can't be made until further down the line. And that's why, like, there was a there were discussion of ideas. It wasn't just damning like fuck black tapes, right. fuck everyone who made right. it. Exactly. And and I want to touch on that a little bit because Paul Bay was at PodCon um, and he discussed this. And we've talked before about how, like, Paul Bay is magnificent. I assume that we've talked about that on this podcast. <laughs> right. Like, Paul Bay is a genuinely fantastic person um, and a brilliant creator. And he 
on on one of the panels, I think it was actually on the the fiction panel, which is so disappointing. I think it's gonna be better this year. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, he talked about how he also felt dissatisfied, but how he said we never actually said that this was the final end and it's not going to be. We're also like we were in a rock and a hard place. Our actor up and left like we didn't we were panicked and you know i feel that i i think that that's really valid yeah i think that people see podcast creators as like like once they have a season or two under their belt they're just like automatically perfect professionals and they know how everything works that's not the fucking case like we are all just people struggling to make a thing that we care about and sometimes shit happens and we've never had to deal with that before and all we can do is our best and paul apologized he acknowledged that it wasn't perfect and he is going to keep trying and he didn't want to disappoint his fans and he understands why they were and he feels bad about it but he did he He did did what he could and i think that that's really important and i think that fans i kind of i I feel a little hypocritical saying this so i i should disclose i have said some mean shit about the black tapes oh no yeah and i i don't feel good about it I I stand by a lot of my critiques. I think that a lot of them were valid. I think that a lot of them... I, it should be noted, I stopped listening at the end of season two. Yeah. I think that a lot of my critiques were valid. I think that I said them in really unkind ways um, that I am not proud of and I'm very embarrassed by. Um, you also review stuff as you listen to it, though. And therein, I do. Well, therein I did more lies that then. problem. That's true. You like or hate a movie the most <laughs> when you walk out of it and you're in the parking yeah. lot. You and th- this is why I've I've um, taken steps away from that. I should note that this is also I wrote that review not on my website, but when I was back on Tumblr, <laughs> and I think that that was part of it. I think that I was so wrapped up in that and so wrapped up in these fans who would yell at me, yell at me for not liking parts of the black tapes when I just thought that like valid criticism should happen but that got me into a really mean spiral i've taken a lot of steps from then and i'm i'm proud of the progress i have made because unlearning some of that behavior is really difficult but i guess that is to say that i'm not perfect either and i understand coming from that place of being so frustrated but paul is just a person yes every creator is just a person we're not talking about hollywood here and even then i would say like be a little kinder to Hollywood celebrities, too. Maybe just be nice. For a hot you second, know, my like, brain completed right, that, just... that you were still talking about Paul Hollywood. Oh, no. <laughs> He's just cooking. Let's give him a minute. He's just cooking. Let the man cook. He's... Just let him cook. <laughs> I, I do want to say I brought up the, the, the black tape specifically partially because of Matt's amazing YouTube channel that you should go subscribe I'm to. I'm so sorry for just ranting on your <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to say that whole actor leaving thing is something that happens not a lot, but it does happen in the audio drama community. And if it happens, it does. if you are a producer and it happens to you, you are not alone because I have seen three different shows have yeah, to too. recast a main character because there are a lot of audio dramas out there that produce a whole season in one shot before releasing anything. And I've seen some people not just like the ghost radio project, but there are a couple of other lesser shows that aren't even out yet that I've seen bigger shows. Yeah. Where they just like, well, this character now has to be completely re-recorded and I might have to re-record other people's interactions with said character. If they change it, if the actor's, you know, involvement changes how that character goes. Yeah. Um, it's really tricky. And I just, I don't know. I, I struggle with this a lot, Gavin. I don't know if you do, where I typically don't write negative reviews, but I also think it's really important to have valid criticisms yeah. that are... Sometimes you need to be a little... Not harsh, but... But fair. You need to... But fair. You need to point things out where the podcasters could improve. I think that this is something that's really important in podcast journalism, that we need to not just be sweet and kind constantly. I mean, like, Always be sweet and kind. Don't sugarcoat things. No, no, no. Don't be disingenuous for the purpose of being 
very, very sweet. And the same goes for just fans, too, not journalists. If if you're being over-the-top sweet for the purpose of getting closer to a creator and then using that closeness to sway how it's being written, which I have seen several times, don't do that. I think... Um... Uh, one example of this, or the reverse of that, is some people might remember I was actively live tweeting, listening to the black tapes when I first started it. Uh, halfway through season two, the main character kind of like, even though she's sold as a hotshot journalist who's like really good at her job, yada yada yada, starts doing some some stuff that's a convenient for the plot, but not necessarily journalistic and. I stopped live tweeting not because I don't stand behind my crit. I still have that criticism of the show, but it was really mm-hmm. easy to say something snarky and then get like five people on Twitter and the responses be like, "Yeah, fuck black tapes. You should do a live tweet of season three. Like, uh, which that is a totally valid thing. Like, it's fun to see people be snarky on Twitter, and I don't begrudge them that one bit. But I did recognize that I was kind of like being fed to be a dick and it's not just because it's like oh yeah. well, paul bay might see my tweets but that is also a valid thing like you as a creator who wants to just be like hey this person writes about podcasts let me check their feed real quick oh it's them shitting on me like everyone else right like if i wrote a blog post and maybe i will someday that reviews the black tapes as it exists and is like hey here's what i like here's what i don't like that's something that i put the time and effort into it's not just like when i walked out of uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane that was the mm-hmm. most disappointing cinematic experience I'd ever had but I was also <laughs> like super excited for John Goodman because that was a fantastic performance from John Goodman there's three quarters of a fantastic movie in 10 Cloverfield Lane I also think that there's a difference though like the creators of that movie are never gonna fucking see what you say and if they do they're gonna be like eh, it's another one it's not a podcast like no, it's no, yeah but that's, that's podcasts the are usually though. made by like one like one small crew they're right there and that that level of closeness adds a lot of vulnerability in so many different ways and you just need to be cognizant of that that's why like we shit on gimlet because it's fucking gimlet and they don't care about our opinions and they never will and it's a bunch of rich white people who don't recognize right. their uh their uh they're, privileges on anything yeah they're bringing in so much goddamn money like they and we will never have an effect on that and that's fine i don't want to have an effect on that i don't like i don't like gimlet but it's they can my... have their little new york podcast festival who gives a shit right right whereas and that's you know that's also where i was coming from with the black tapes where initially i was like oh well these these bigwigs they're not they're just like a small group of nice people one final so... i think one final thing we could touch on the creators of shows do not have to be perfect people for them to be good people. No, and it's true. my example of this is basically everything that ever happened to a wife of a McElroy on Facebook. If you Google McElroy Facebook drama, you will probably end up reading a medium blog post about why one person left the still buffering Facebook group. And this will lead you down a rabbit hole of uh, accounts and you can add if you go on the Bambino podcaster Facebook group you'll find tons of people willing to give you a rundown of this uh, but basically someone asked the uh, people the uh, uh, three three hosts of still buffering they asked the three hosts of still buffering if they were going to do an episode on race identity and one of the uh, McElroy what? why would they I, what I think Sydney was I, from what I hear it was Sydney McElroy who said like hey, we're all white Catholics or we're all white Christians from Virginia ostensibly. Probably we're not the best people to talk about this. And a lot of people picked sides on that debate and it got so bad that from what I hear, uh, a lot of them just stopped using Facebook. That's so sad. That's, That's really upsetting. Like, these are people who have lives, you know, and like, Nobody is going to be a perfect person. Everybody is going to learn. I think that there's I think that there's something valid about letting people learn and I I know that that's that that's difficult and it's frustrating. Yeah, I know. And again, we're circling around to using the the McElroys as like paragons of podcasting, but that's just like it, their fans are just so intense. They're also some of the most popular people in podcasting. Like they're they're more right. likely to generate these stories. I don't know. I just, 
I just wish that, like, everybody would remember that everyone is, is a human person, you know, who, like, experiences things in their own specific ways, but they do experience things. And very rarely is somebody actually numb to the hatred that they will receive for things. And sometimes, sometimes, like, people do really fucked up shit that needs to be called out. I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm just saying, I don't know. 2018's a hellscape, Gavin. It's been a hellscape for, like, two years now. It's not... (laughs) No. Not sure. I feel like I've lived in 2016 for seven years, and it's all been a (laughs) fucking nightmare. Gavin, let's move on to some nice things. Yes, let's do move on to some nice things. And to button up the (laughs) negative part of the show, uh, Gimlet, give Starry Kind the rights to the mystery show, you fucking cowards. All right. Seriously, you fucking cowards. Let's move on to recommendations. Let's move on to recommendations. This week, we are talking... uh, We're doing... It's back to normal format, so you and I both have two recommendations, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Will, do you want to start off with what totally isn't going to be your podcast? Yeah, um, for sure. So I recently started listening to something that is... So it's it's kind of like Song Exploder, but instead of it being like pop music or what have you, it's about soundtracks. And it's called The Soundtrack Show, and it's a real podcast, you shit. (laughs) It's a real thing. How dare you? (laughs) It's called The Soundtrack Show. And it goes into soundtracks from, like, big motion pictures and lots of other things. And it breaks down what makes them great scores. Um, It's really brilliantly written. I, um... I was in orchestra for most of my life. I worked in a music shop for four years or so what off and on. Fucking God. Sorry. Everyone I know, <laughs> every fucking person I know is in band or a musician <laughs> of some sort. Yeah, it's because you attract fucking nerds. <laughs> I'm I'm like actually shocked that you seemingly were not. No, 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 I wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't go to high school. I didn't get the option. What? Oh, yeah, I'm homeschooled. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, I knew that. About and that okay. explains everything everyone says to themselves. <laughs> you you could have been in a very, very small chamber orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> so... Long story short, I'm like a, I'm like a big theory nerd specifically. Like I I love the math behind music, which is weird because I, I don't like any other kind of math. Um, and the soundtrack show, what I like about it is that it goes into some of that. It hits like j- like the perfect amount of theory for my brain to go. I know a thing. <laughs> um, but not enough to, for people who like don't know shit about theory to be like, what what the fuck is happening right now? Um, it's very accessible and it breaks down what makes songs memorable and what makes them work really really well in a cinematic or tv etc etc experience so it's called the soundtrack show um it's by how stuff works and it's really great gavin what is your first recommendation so uh will my first recommendation of the day have you heard of a little uh investigative journalism podcast that's just come out from the people uh, behind that part of Gimlet. I haven't because I'm assuming it's fake. Please continue. You should because it is. So uh, (laughs) following on on the footsteps of their wildly successful true crime series, that's all that yummy investigative journalism, the people behind uh, Gimlet, Monsters That They Are, have started a new investigative journalism series about the dirtiest town in America and the one house cleaning company that has taken up the charge of trying to get this city's filth problem under control. This new show uh, that you should totally check mm-hmm. out, Will, is called Grime Town. Okay, that one was pretty, that one was pretty okay. That was pretty okay. Okay, okay. I can fuck with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here okay. for that one. I'm here for that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll fuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first actual recommendation this almost said this month my first actual recommendation this time around is mount olympus university to the surprise of nobody i still haven't listened so please do tell mount olympus university in a nutshell is the radio feed 
of a magic microphone. I think it's magic. I, I think they're selling it that it's enchanted. Uh, it's the live feed of an internally on microphone in the abandoned radio studio of Mount Olympus University, the university where all of the figures of mythology that you can imagine are going. Uh, except one human, Pandora, got a full ride scholarship to this university she never applied to, but also all of her applications to other colleges magically disappeared, so Mount Olympus is the only place she could go. So we have this main character who has a lot of imposter syndrome, uh, kind of characterized by the fact that she's the only person in the school that doesn't have some sort of special ability. Meanwhile, Thor's knocking back drinks like they mean nothing. <laughs> Zeus is a man whore. As, uh, as Zeus is. Piece of shit. But Hera's also still his girlfriend, and she hates Pandora because she thinks Pandora's fucking Zeus behind her back. Uh, it, gets real it gets real college real fast. Uh, and we, we get this by the, the school kind of leads Pandora because it's like fucking Harry Potter up in there to this radio room. And she just kind of starts using the radio room. And that's how uh, that's how it gets started. And as we go on now, she's like where, where we're at in the show. She's actually like club president of the radio club whatever mm -hmm. like she runs the radio station she's actually making announcements it's she's coming in her own and it's like this wonder it's got that hook of it's a fantasy podcast and it's got these mythological characters in it but it's also kind of slipping in the narrative that pandora is dealing with anxiety oh. by doing this oh because I love like that. In the first episode, she talks about, like, she's been planning to go to college since she was eight. She's been, like, like yes, 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 college, college, college. She's been waiting for college. You know, that was her whole high school experience. And then when uh, uh, all of her applications to the real schools got, like, mysteriously deleted or never sent, she freaked out. And the way she freaks out is, is that, at, like, the idea of taking a semester off is the end of the world like the idea <laughs> that she does not go straight from high school to college mm -hmm. that's it she's done and that's like some real anxiety fucking with your head shit <laughs> <laughs> i love that it sounds fantastic oh also her roommate's aphrodite good and yeah aphrodite be fucking and keeping her up all night <laughs> yeah sounds about right so will what's your next recommendation so my next recommendation is it's this audio drama. It's just now closing up its um, first season. It's about the scientist, and she's at an amusement park, and, you know, they're, like, doing some tests on things, and she accidentally gets split up from the rest of her group, who are also scientists, and the show is mostly her getting lost in this amusement park. She lost her map. It's, like, a whole thing. Um, and going from place to place, trying to track down the rest of the scientists, and she occasionally calls them, and she's able to communicate, but only briefly because the cell service is really bad, and people are, like, you know, screaming in the background and what have you. Um... And it's called Rides. It's Thank by you. Jesse Jesus. Taylor. <laughs> it didn't click at first, and I was scrolling through my podcast, and I saw the thumbnail for Tides. I'm like, oh, it's Rides. She's going to say Rides. And if you didn't say Rides, I was going to be very, like, pissed off. No, it's Rides. And this this um, this um pun cast was a submission um from the lovely Liam on our uh, podcast problems Liam. Discord, who also is Balsonic on most social media. So thank you so much, Liam. This is such a fucking gem of a pun cast. It I is. really loved this one. When he was, like, typing it up and I was watching the text happen, I was, like, bouncing up and down on my seat. Like, I know where this is going <laughs> this and is I love it. <laughs> Gavin, what is... Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I have a real recommendation. Yeah, you um, should probably do that. Yep. So both of my recommendations um, this time around are going to be their podcasts where their next season is going to be coming up soon or has already been released. So for the, for for this one, the first episode will have been released yesterday, but it's tomorrow as a recording because of editing magic. So the first one I want to recommend is The Big Loop, which I may have recommended before, but I don't fucking care. Um, the Big Loop is, oh, my God, it's by Paul Bay. I didn't even, I'm not even being cute. I just Synergy. really want <laughs> So, The Big Loop is Paul Bay's anthology podcast. It is 
compared a lot to Black Mirror, but I don't think that that is incredibly apt, but it's the same kind of like it's sci-fi, sometimes magical realism anthology series where each episode is totally different. Um, So you can jump in at any point. A lot of people jump into an episode called Goodbye, Mr. Adams, which is one of, in my opinion, and in most fans' opinions, one of the very, very best episodes. But I, I love the first episode. Essentially, Each episode is a different take. They're all a little sci-fi or a little magical realism, but it has this really beautiful humanistic edge. They're all told as monologues that are just brilliantly performed. There is is minimal sound design, but it just adds the right amount of texture. It's very... Every episode is moving in a completely different way, and I, I almost don't even want to discuss it too much more. Um, But I can say that I I got an advanced listen of the first season. Nope. (laughs) First episode of the second season. I was going to say, hey, what's up? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Um, First episode of the second season. And it is... It's just moving. Like, there's no other words for it. It is... It's so fundamentally and deeply beautiful um it's very literary and almost hypnotic it's just it's just fucking gorgeous it's unlike anything else you're going to hear so be sure that if if you haven't subscribed to the big loop it's just now starting a new season i i really can't recommend it enough all right all right gavin what's your what's your next one i'm gonna break from form real quick because my my second uh, recommendation is a podcast that like doesn't need our help, so I'm just gonna do two quick doesn't need our helps together. Uh, first off, Archive 81 is my the one I actually brought and prepared today. Archive mm-hmm. 81's a wonderful slow burn horror podcast that you should try. Uh, guy gets a job working for a mysterious government agency, maybe in which he's put in a bunker and has a massive archive of cassette tapes. But there's like one specific section, section 81, that he is to go through. They are not in, in a, uh, they are not in chronological order. So it's his job to like record the metadata, note what's on them, put them away. But of course, what's on the tapes is some fucked up shit. But <laughs> it's real fucked up shit. The thing that really grabbed me about the show, there's not a single fucking jump scare. Not a, like, I'm almost, oh, yeah. I'm almost through season two. There's some loud, scary sounds, but you know they're coming. And a lot of the loud, scary sounds have a beginning that kind of increases. So you know what that's a scream. We're starting a scream. Buckle up. Uh, Everything about the show is just it takes its time. Episodes are like over half an hour, which is kind of rare for short run audio dramas. But like. Each episode that's like half an hour feels like an hour in a good way. Like so much content, especially in season two where it's way more plot heavy. There are far more characters. A lot of stuff happens. And uh, let's just say there's a format change between season one and season two. Um, it's, I, just, I, really, I really enjoyed the show so far. I'm, I'm near the end of season two, about to start the season three that's not done yet. Uh I highly recommend it. And since Archive 81 is a pretty hefty podcast that I'm probably not going to influence the listenership of too much, um, I also want to say there's this one. I throw this in the popcorn podcast like area for me. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. There are novels out there that you read on a plane or at the beach and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are podcasts I listen to while playing video games where I'm not super paying attention. There's right. one called Hey Riddle Riddle. Uh, it's from a website that I've forgotten already because they didn't put it on the thumbnail art. And I can't be fucked to look up the podcast on my computer. Uh, it's called Hey Riddle Riddle. It's a podcast in which three people just sit there and one of them has looked up some riddles. The other two of them haven't have no idea what the solution is. They sit there and kind of talk through it. It's a comedy podcast. So there's lots of like running jokes in the first episode. Um, someone comes up with a hypothetical male and female, so Kevin and Susie, and then later on they can't think of new names, so they say Kevin and Susie again, and this starts the steadfast rule that all men are named Kevin, all women are named Susie, so whenever they roleplay out something, they can only be named Kevin and Susie. Uh, 
mm-hmm. which is not the funniest <laughs> fucking thing in the world. But if for a goofy little like in, it's cute. It's, it's cute. a cute. It's a cute podcast to listen to when you're in a commute or something. And some of the riddles are genuinely fun. They actually start the show by going through a lot of the uh, uh, the doctor was his mother level riddles that everyone mm-hmm. and their mother knows. And it was really right. fucking well timed that they launched this show right when Bam Bam had that riddle dot com incident. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh that was fun. yeah! <laughs> so yeah, uh, that sounds hey, very real, cute. Check that out if you want. It's 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 some big website that I should have remembered the name of. That so that they're fine. They're doing fine. Right. So my second second recommendation is going to be another podcast where I got an advanced listen of an upcoming season. It is well, an upcoming episode. It <laughs> is Greater Boston, Woo! and I think I've talked about this one before. But oh my Friend god, of the show so Greater Boston. <laughs> <laughs> friend of podcasting I, greater boston seriously seriously i love greater boston this is a realistic fiction slash magical realism slash what huh um that takes place in a fictional hyperbolic boston like massachusetts um it blends fact and fiction but in very small uh tame ways i would say um it follows the events after the world's boringest man gets on a roller coaster for the first time and decides, oh, no, 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 no. Nope. I die now, actually. <laughs> and he just fucking nopes uh, to death. Um, but the way that things coalesce around this is really interesting. It has a huge cast of really complex, strange, wonderful characters that have these sort of parallel timelines where they intersect and then they don't. And it's really gorgeous. It is one of my favorite audio dramas. It has beautiful sound design, has great writing, great acting. It is an audio drama for if you're not the type who, for instance, is really into sci-fi or really into horror and you want something that's a little bit more close to home, a little bit um, a little bit more Mike sure. Uh, so a little bit more like it feels a little bit like Parks and Rec or The Good Place or Brooklyn Nine Nine and that sort of, um, it's real life but much more cute. If we, way. <laughs> if we were, if we had to use the horribly restrictive uh, genres of books, it would go in literary fiction with a capital L. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's Greater Boston. So good. It's been recommended on the show uh, in an earlier episode. So if you want to hear clips of it, I probably. Uh, use them back then. <laughs> Probably. <sighs> well, Gavin, I think that this was a good, if stressful, conversation. And I hope that fans went away learning something. Thank you so much for uh, spending uh, this time with me, Will, when you could have been eating dinner oh. and getting actual things done. <laughs> no, this Where was Where can lovely. people this find you on the internet? Oh, yeah. People can find me at, at Will W. Writes. That's W-I-L-W underscore writes on Twitter. Um, I write for Will Williams Reviews. That is WillWilliams.Reviews. I write for um, Discover Pods. Um, and, yeah. Gavin, where can people find people you? People can find me. I'm surprised you didn't link your Tumblr. People can find me on Twitter <laughs> at the Pod Report T-H-E-P-O-D-R-E-P-O-R-T. You can slap dot wordpress.com at the end of that to get my website. Or mm-hmm. you can follow me on Instagram mm-hmm. at Pod Report. Uh, I just made an Instagram the other day because I got a new phone and I can actually run image-based apps again. It's <laughs> it's mainly me just taking pictures of random shit. I, this morning, uh, my girlfriend and I were leaving for work and uh, there was a squirrel on the stairs to get down to the ground level. <laughs> it was real so cute. So we, uh, we had to talk the squirrel into moving. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and... That's, uh, yeah, there's a full review of Mount Olympus University on there if you want to read, like, my long form. And by long form, I mean, like, 500-word thoughts on that podcast. It was super fun. I am the Chad, formerly known as Gavin, formerly known as Chad, and I make a podcast called Station Blue. You should check it out. James Oliva likes it, and Will likes James Oliva, and you guys like Will, so maybe you'll like the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. And Gavin, where can people find the show? The people can find the show at dialeduppodcast.wordpress.com for our website, where all the show notes and stuff live, as well as our slow attempts to burn through the transcript uh, backlog. Thank you so much again. 
thank you so much, Austin, for your very, very hard work and your like I, I I don't think I've corrected anything in the last couple. Like there's Austin's a fucking powerhouse. You can find Austin, so our transcript volunteer, on Twitter at Pigeon Science, P-I-G-E-O-N-S-C-I-N-C-E. Uh and uh at tuned in dialed up on Twitter is our Twitter handle where we tweet once a day. Totally we not do. using TweetDeck to schedule no anything at all. But there's no. how many podcasts do we do a week? Three? Like three? I believe. So yeah, if you want some more shitty puns, uh you can also play a real fun game that I have invented, uh, Will or Gavin, where you can decide if I or Will <laughs> wrote the tweet. It's kinda easy. But it's fun. Also, uh, expect me to my a lot of my social media content to revolve around me having started using a calorie counting app again, and it it shames me a lot. And oh, I, don't, no! I don't appreciate that shit. If I put in a Mm-mm. fucking Subway six inch sub, I don't want to hear mm, that has a lot of saturated fat in it. I want a fucking thumbs up. That wasn't a cheeseburger. It, fuck you, my fitness pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is an hour and eight of content. I think we're good. (laughs) I think we're good. Bye, Bye, everybody.